0: Welcome to episode 61 of Val F.B. Stuttgart American, an American-based English-language Val F.B. Stuttgart fan podcast. Our Reviews are unofficial, uninformed, and usually unprepared. Matt is joining me this episode. And Matt, I'm unprepared with emotions today. This is, uh, as we record today, earlier this morning, the news broke that our beloved Pellegrino Matarazzo fellow American bearded like myself tall like you we have so much in common has been let go from the club um still trying to process all this information how are you processing it right now
1: uh not not well i'm just we had a brief conversation our group chat uh sunday after the game and i'm still kind of where i was there with i don't and it's immaterial now but i didn't feel like holding your own against Union Berlin, the Table tablemeisters, um, and losing on kind of a weird goal that <clears throat> I was really mad about because the corner that they scored off of should not have been in a corner in the first place because Union player was offside, and then he touched it last before it went <laughs> over the end line, and the ref was an idiot. So, like, this whole thing just feels like it was stupid. Mm. And it feels short-sighted and reactionary and i don't like it
0: no there's a lot to not like much like i'm sure people will not like well our 61st episode here it's uh (laughs) it's gonna be a rough one so we're gonna start off part one we'll talk a tiny bit about the match that matt alluded to some of the uh the issues in that match then part two we'll hop right into the big news And then part three, we'll look forward to the future. (laughs) Um, Yay. Whatever that future may hold. Um, Matt, you ready for the roller coaster that will be this episode?
1: Do we have a choice?
0: (laughs) No. (laughs) Unlike the listeners, we're stuck. (laughs)
1: Let's go.
0: Let's do it. All right, Matt, let's do part one. All right. I don't even know how much we're going to spend on this, but we're going to play the table Meisters. As you mentioned, FC uh, Berlin, uh, Union Berlin here. I almost said Etsy FC Bayern just because I'm so used to that.
1: That's understandable. That's a reasonable Uh, mistake.
0: Right. And, And so Union Berlin comes in. I think where I was really disappointed, I was actually more optimistic going into this match than I was the Wolfsburg match last week, oddly enough. And Union Berlin was going to be tired coming into this match. And they played like it. That first half, they played like they had some heavy legs. Yeah. They're coming off that uh, Europa League uh, match. But like always, we were not able to take advantage of it. And like you've mentioned, numerous podcasts, it doesn't matter if we play anybody and they play the day before they show up. (laughs) Mm -hmm. That idea that a team's going to be tired never seems to work uh, for us. And the other thing that I was kind of hoping for is there were a lot of matches that were taking place that were really significant for our club. But then two things happened when was able to absorb our attack. And then in the second half was able to be more aggressive. And then the second thing is almost every single result that we needed to go our way on Friday, Saturday, Sunday went the opposite way. Yeah. <laughs> Outside of our good friend, Schalke getting uh, just pummeled, everybody else got a win or a point. So I, I was feeling optimistic going into the match, but it was pretty clear that there was something in the moon, there was something in the cars. it was just, it was just stacking up against us. I don't know how you were feeling when that 130 start um, for us in the the states was was about to go down.
1: So I, I was kind of uh, out of my element, not being bleary eyed and <laughs> working on my first coffee of the day when I started the game. It was kind of nice to sit on the couch, crack yeah. a beer open. I finished a project in the yard before the game but I looked at the lineup and it was some significant changes and there were changes I felt good about changes that I thought were a reaction to the way that union likes to play um, to the mm-hmm. fact that this was going to be a defensive slugfest uh, bringing Dan Axel in as a, a center back and going four at the back. I thought was great and adding his size because um, he is a big boy. <laughs> <He's> uh, <you. laughs> I thought that was great. I, I wasn't really thinking too much about it, to be honest. I was trying not to until uh, I got the alert on my phone about the lineups, and I thought, this this could work.
0: Mm-hmm. I, I do have to say this, is that any Stuttgart fan should actually text you, or maybe you should just send something out when the lineup is put out because you are one of the most positive pre-match people I have ever <laughs> met is it doesn't matter what the lineup is as soon as you see it you're like I love this this is yeah. the best
1: I had to stop posting I don't hate this because I felt <laughs> like it for a while every time you put that it was like this did it didn't end well.
0: <laughs> no and, and yet yet again it didn't. So the two changes yeah Dan Axel was in the lineup and Tiago was in Stenzel was out and Furich was out. Uh so they played with the back four uh and this was just it was the same so, thing we, we've seen over and over again. Missed, yeah. missed chances, missed chances, chances. And that,
1: so the back four, the other big change was Jirasi up top, mm. which we haven't seen much this season. And I thought this is great. The, the whole reason he was brought in was to put the ball in the back of the net. Um, maybe this will work out for us. But, yeah, just as you said, it was missed opportunity after missed opportunity. And we've been kind of joking that the team is cursed. Um, and I went as far as to say in the, the Stuttgart Discord on Sunday that I was going to start a GoFundMe <laughs> to raise money to go to Haiti to find a witch doctor to attempt to reverse the curse on this. Um, but even the announcers during the game were like, there's no reason these balls should not go in. The players are in the right spot. Movement's good everything's happening except the ball going in the back of the net. And it's just colossally bad luck. And I don't know how else to explain
0: that. I mean, to your point, it goes that the 79th minute. So we're now, I know I'm jumping ahead here, but we're down a goal and there's that mess in the box where I'm pretty sure there were only 11 Stuttgart players on the, the, the field. I think 13 of them had a shot <laughs> yeah. and, they, and everybody. And I think Jirassi unfortunately got in the way of one of the shots mm-hmm. and at that point, the announcers like, this team just can't, for bad luck or whatever you want to call it, put the ball in the net. It's just, it's the same thing we've seen over and over. And the thing that was so frustrating to me, and we usually don't, you know, we try to stay as positive as we can. And I put out a tweet how frustrated I was with the officiating. And you and I have talked about this, how it's shocking to me how... Many times, no matter what match you watch, the number of times the officials blow the call as to who the ball went off and who it went out of bounds. And Phil Bonnie, who was it was doing the announcing, said it as soon mm-hmm. as that corner was given to Unyan, He said, if they score off of this, there's going to be some controversy here. And boom. I mean, the defense was was horrid on that play. It, it, like it's been all the time but it never should have gotten to that. So that's where the, it's so frustrating with this club is that they can't get out of their own way. Sometimes yeah. quite literally, but they don't get any help at all. And I know that it's such a, a loser's mentality that, you know, the officials are out to get us type of thing. And I don't believe that, but there are certain clubs. Look at what happened to Bayern Munich this week, right? They had their match against Dortmund. It ended up in a draw. There's that mm-hmm. fantastic, you know, a uh, film of Oliver Kahn losing his mind in the stands. Um, and they were whining like crazy that there wasn't a red card given to one of the Dortmund players during the match. Yeah. They're so used to getting every single call to go their way that they don't know how to handle like we do. <laughs> when, <laughs> right. When the we're call all had at this. <laughs> yeah. We're used to the universe being against us. I just, it, it was so typical. And I said it at the time, I was just like, how, blousy is it's that call non-call is going to be the reason basically why Pellegrino moderato isn't going to be with this club anymore and mm-hmm. why this team might be relegated because of something as silly and as just dumb as that.
1: Yeah. And I, I don't feel like it, this was a case of the ref out to get us. I don't feel like there's some grand Bundesliga conspiracy of the refs in the league, trying to hose Stuttgart. Um, I do feel like this ref was bad, mostly. Uh, I feel like both teams kind of suffered for it. I feel anytime there's bad officiating, though, Union benefits because Union are a bunch of dirty punks. um, (laughs) And I will hate them forever. Even though I can't really discernibly define why, I just don't like Union. But that, yeah, that should not have been the offside alone, right? Mm -hmm. I get not noticing that the ball deflected off of was Anton and then it, hit off the player it was a Dino um doesn't matter I, I get missing that the angle was rough that that kind of stuff happens in the heat a moment but that guy was a good yard offside and the line judge is staring right down at it and doesn't move
0: yeah yeah I I don't kicker gave the officiating a 2.5 which is pretty good Pretty good. feels generous
1: I don't know if it's out of what, like out of, out of 20, that feels generous.
0: <laughs> <laughs> like, I don't like the red card that Jirassi got, which is awesome, by the way. So now he's yeah. not going to be available yeah. for the Bokum match. And out of Karazor, the yellow he got was his fifth. So he's not going to be available for the Bokum match either. I, I, I have no qualms with any of that stuff, right? That's
1: those were. No, both. they they were deserved cards.
0: Right. But to, to miss something like that. That seems to not be a big deal, but it ends up being the big deal. Just is unforgivable to me, and it, I just, it's a rough way to lose to to lose a match. And I, I think I mentioned to you guys in our Slack chat that Unyan was either going to break one of our players or they were going to get a red card, mm-hmm. and I was right because Hikori Ito um had to come out of the match because yep. he got hurt and i was wrong though there was a red card but it just happened to be on our guy instead of their guys i mean i want i don't understand the hate of union berlin it, you know i'm ignorant of it you know I, I don't know i want to be able to root for them there's actually gonna be some really fun matches this weekend coming up where union and freiburg i think are playing dortmund and Bayern, and oh. that could be a lot of fun, and I want to enjoy that and celebrate that, but instead, here we are. (laughs) Yeah, so
1: I think let's, just to divert ourselves from all the sadness, I I think here's where where my issue with Union comes in. It started because uh, we lost to them in the relegation playoffs, and we were one of the only teams, first division teams, to lose to a second division team in the relegation playoffs in the last 50 years. I don't know, it's Mm -hmm. happened like three times. Mm -hmm. So sour taste in my mouth for that. Union plays dirty all the time. I feel like they get away with it. And that upsets me. What's really weird about this is Union plays a very focused, very tight defensive game. And that's the way I learned to play growing up because I played on bad teams because Mm -hmm. we were bad. But that's an effective way to neutralize a good attack, right? So this is the kind of soccer that I know that I'm used to. This is kind of my jam, but it makes me angry when I see it because (laughs) it's union, right? And they're they're just so flipping consistent. And it doesn't matter who's in charge. It doesn't matter what's going on. They're always union. They're always doing the same thing. And they always have a chance. And then part of it probably is just jealousy because I want us to always be in it. I want us to always have a chance and we can't stop shooting ourselves in the foot.
0: That's one of the reasons why I was one of the few people that liked uh, uh, Typhoon uh, Korkut is, is I appreciate that style of play. I don't mind that style of play. Uh, if, if it's if it's your identity, then roll with it. Go with it. And I think Stuttgart was trying to have an identity with with Pellegrino and with Sven, and that identity just, whether it was through bad luck or, you know, you and I have seen this with our club a lot, that when we play against a team that just sits back in that deep counterattack we struggle against that we, yeah. we just we always have but when we play a team that is above our level like a Leipzig or a Bayern where the field is more open and there's more space mm-hmm. all of a sudden we look like a team that should be playing in the, the the top 6 instead of the bottom 6 yeah we just for whatever reason for the last, you know 3 or 4 years that Pellegrino's been around that's just been the knock on this team that we can't play against a group like that Speaking of of, of history, like you mentioned, uh, did you know that thanks to the goal that we gave up, we have tied the all-time record, wrote Vice Essen from the 70s, of a home club not being able to keep a clean sheet at 26 matches. So, we're number one. (laughs) No, well, we're tied for number one. (laughs) This weekend versus Bocum, we've got a chance to keep the record
1: it better uh it just better not that's yeah yeah yeah, there's the state of michigan does not contain enough booze for
0: (laughs) oh my god please well i will throw out some good news later that's a a tease for anybody who is trying to uh, find their way out of this uh this pity party that we're having for ourselves don't go
1: getting professional and honest now travis
0: well it's 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 hard (laughs) it's hard to do i know um I don't know if there's anything else to talk about the match here. We talked about the missed chances. We talked about the the bad call. The substitutions were whatever. Uh, Luca Pfeiffer showed up again, and he at least wore a uniform, I guess. Mm-hmm. Uh, he, the reason why he's kind of, st- I'm. Uh, <laughs> we brought him in because we couldn't get Saint Pauli's number one striker. Uh, I, th- I believe his name is Carey. Uh, who went to Freiburg? He's scoring goals like crazy. He's got three or four goals. He scored a goal for them uh this weekend. And Luca Pfeiffer goes on the, the pitch. And I don't want to be super critical, but he's been invisible outside of that red card he had a few weeks ago. Oh, totally. Yeah. And and then, you know, we only used four substitutions that match, too. We didn't use all five of them, which I thought was kind mm-hmm. of uh kind of odd. Let's see, loss. I think I was telling you at some point during the match, I was like, man. I love Silas, but maybe he should take the cool Bali role for a little bit and come on in the 60th minute because yeah. All this talk of him getting back into form, it's not happening.
1: No, and he's looked rough trying to figure it out. And it it's disappointing. We want Silas to be the best Silas he can be and he's not there. And I don't know. I don't feel at this point like it's uh Mistrust in the knee, like it clearly was at the beginning of the season. He was rusty, and he—you could tell—he was tentative on his steps. He wasn't running at full blast. It looks to me now like he's running full out, and that he's playing at full throttle, and that's great, and that's what we want. But his touches suffered. His just his reactions have been not great. He's—he's eighty percent of the loss that got hurt in that. 20 that's gone is all in the ball handling and finishing skills and yeah, <laughs> test sucks
0: yeah it's just a turnover machine there we love C laws it's i don't know as we wrap up part one of this um the review of the match um our ofc our official fan club which technically isn't official yet because we still don't have our certificate so we're just are we the semi-official fan club i don't know we're just a bunch of yahoos who have a website is really (laughs) i don't know if that qualifies (laughs) us for anything at this point Uh, but we did vote and uh the official man of the match was uh hiroki ito so congratulations i believe that's his second time that he's won this year but it was super close uh Somebody voted for Pellegrino for everything he's done over the course of his time here. One he's person voted for no one and one person voted for themselves because they were driving and they weren't, uh, they didn't have to suffer through the match. So,
1: You know, if they, I won't give that any credit, but if they had been driving and had been listening to the match and had not put their car into a tree <laughs> when that union goal got scored, then yeah, I would totally award them man of the match.
0: Oh, my goodness gracious. All right, Matt, any last thoughts about that before we move on to really what is the big news of the day?
1: So one one kind of sort of positive, I guess, we saw better ball movement. We saw better uh, defensive play than we have. The team looked well organized, and uh, they clearly had not given up on Reno despite everything that was going on. The boys were out there playing hard. The announcing crew even commented on that. Um, so that was great. But one of the stats that's been new to me at least this year uh, that I've been paying attention to a little bit is um, kilometers run. Wow. And we had talked about this earlier in the season and about how we were getting outrun in every single game. And one of our listeners pointed out that this was a the thing they can were concerned about. And we got outrun badly in this game. And I, I think that's gotta. That says something about something. I'm not smart enough yet to know <laughs> what, but it's not good.
0: I don't know what, I I don't know what that, I mean, I understand what that means, but I don't know, is that part of the, like the tactics that we do, are we sitting back too much or is that just part of what our strategy is? I, I wish, like you said, I wish I could pinpoint exactly, does that mean there's a deficit somewhere in the club? Does that mean that there's a strategy that we're not incorporating? Is there a lack of fitness or heart because like you said the announcing crew for this match was saying these players haven't given up Pellegrino has not lost the locker room but yes he should be fired and it was I think I think they basically summed out the way most Stuttgart supporters feel that this is a lousy day this stinks but I don't get the sense there's a lot of surprise because I think a lot of us saw this day coming
1: yeah, sorry, are we, we're on to part two?
0: Let's move on to part two, Matt.
1: So, yes, to everything you said. And I, I feel like management was in a position where they, they felt they had to do something. And you can't fire all the players, so you fire the coach. At the same time, like Reno can't go out there and put the ball in the back of the net for the guys. His job is to prepare them for it and to put them in a position to succeed. And I feel like the fact we keep saying that it was right there and the guy just didn't finish tells us that he's largely put them in the right place. And we've had little quibbles about uh, substitution patterns and who he's starting and stuff but that it doesn't matter who's in charge we're going to be griping about some of that stuff because we're fans and that's what we do um i'm really i've been i've said many times before that i like the stability i don't like change for the sake of change and i feel like a little bit like this is change for the sake of change and maybe the goal is to send a message to the players of, you know, look, we'll even get rid of this dude, so you guys better shape up. And maybe it'll work out. But I also, like, who are we going to bring in to replace this guy?
0: Yeah, it's... My initial thought was, after the press conference, after the match, it sounded like Reno was walking out. Like, he was going totally. to... Um, he knew what was coming, or he was going to fall on the sword and say, listen, it's, it's time that he basically said whoever was sitting on the bench against Bochum, you know, he really believed that the t- in the team and that they could lead the team to a victory, and he he wasn't talking in the first person there, so it was kind of, you could see it, it coming. The question that Ted, uh, Teddy uh, VFB asked was, you know, how surprised are you by the time of this decision? You could definitely argue we deserve a point from Union, and we've got Bochum and Bill coming up this week, where Reno could have conceivably gotten some wins and some momentum, and then Flabby Viking Uh, countered, you know, alternatively, those two matches could be great cushions for whoever is going to, to take over. And I thought that was an excellent point. I'm super torn on this. I, I, the coaches, the managers during my fandom, I remember when we dumped Alexander Zorniger and probably rightfully so it was his style of football just wasn't going to work. He was losing the locker room and all that stuff. And we got relegated anyway. And I always wondered to myself, Had we just held on to him and his ridiculous style of football, yeah, would we have figured it out as time had gone on? Would he have eventually won over the locker room because the locker room knew he wasn't going anywhere, that he was the guy who's going to be in charge there? So, to your point, I who comes in who's going to change the direction of the of the of where the ship is going. Um, unless we're just hoping for the, the new coach bounce. I mean, the one thing I will say it was the first time in a hundred matches where I saw the curve angry after the match, where they were yelling at the players. Um, I don't want to say berating the players, but just giving them a dressing down. And I haven't seen that in the post-game coverage in 99 previous matches. And somebody said it on Twitter is once you lose the curve, because one of Pellegrino and Sven's biggest strengths is that the fans and supporters love them and have their back. And I think that played a big role in them getting maybe a little bit more leeway than maybe what another manager would be. But the fact that we haven't won, but three matches in 2022 and the fact that the curve was finally starting to turn against them. Maybe that just said, listen, we've, we've got to make a shift. We've got to do something.
1: Yeah. But I, I kind of feel like um Sven and company were put in a position where they couldn't justify not doing something. And like if this if this was an NFL program, they would have fired the offensive coordinator. <laughs> yeah. Right. And it wouldn't wouldn't be too big of a deal. But we don't have that in soccer. You've got the head guy and his crew and, and that's it. So unless he had come up and proclaimed, you know, we had I had Hans here who was in charge of, of our uh, set pieces and they've been garbage and we let up a crucial set piece goal. So Hans is out and we brought in Franz and Franz is going to run our set pieces now. And then people went, Oh, okay. Um, Maybe, but I, yeah, I feel like they, they were in a spot that they had to make a change And Teddy's point. um, Teddy's where I was, right. If you're going to get rid of them, it's pointless to do it before the world cup break. Like that yes. seems stupid. But Flabby's got a really, really good point of this is a great spot to give, you know, what we've got an interim. I didn't even I didn't even see who was the the, the replacement. I looked at the headlines today and they were all madarazzos out and I went, <laughs> um yeah,
0: the, yeah, there's no pres- no news yet as to, okay. to take over.
1: So presumably we'll have one of the assistants being an interim or they'll bring up, uh, the guy who's been coaching, uh, file Bay two. Yeah, this should be, should doing a lot of work there, a relatively <laughs> easy run to get started. And if you can get one or two wins, um, the folks in the curve will be whistling less and that's a good thing, but it, I don't know. The whole thing just feels bad because it, it feels like Matarazzo should have been better. It mm-hmm. feels like the team should have been better under him. They were doing uh, basically everything we want except putting the ball in the back of the net. <laughs> and I get that's the point of the game. Mm-hmm. But man, it's frustrating when everything but that one little piece is happening right.
0: And mm-hmm. you
1: you gotta do something.
0: Yeah, I don't usually like to make any kind of stance at all, ever, on anything. <laughs> I like to be firmly on the fence <laughs> in everything I do. I, I was surprised by the timing of this. I thought that, exactly like you said, uh, they were going to wait at least through this Bochum match, at least through the Bochum match, and that had the Bielefeld match and the Bochum match gone poorly, Bielefeld's 18th in the second league right now. I mean, if you can't beat Bielefeld, okay, you have big problems. And, yeah, Bo- and Bochum. We haven't lost to Bochum in twelve matches. I we'll get into it later, but if you can't beat those two teams, then okay, it, it, it the right. It's time. It's time to go. But I was just really surprised. I I thought this the timing would have been later if they were going to make a move. I thought stability was kind of their core value at this point. I thought the move. I I think where I'm not surprised is I think I saw this coming. So where I will agree with what Sven said is that. Um, he said, quote, Reno not only met our expectations, he even exceeded them in, in many respects, but one has now reached a point where we were convinced that separation from Reno was inevitable. And initially when I read that, I was like, what do you mean inevitable? But the more I thought about it, the more I, th- I think he's right, that it just seemed like this day was coming. So while I'm surprised yeah. by the timing of it, I'm not surprised that it happened. And if it, if that's the case, then I guess why not now as, as disappointed as I am. If if you truly think this is just the direction it's gonna eventually end up, then you better do it sooner, you know, than later.
1: Yeah, if if, if the relationship's ending, why drag it out?
0: Right. Yeah. Okay. So to Teddy's point, I'm mildly surprised, you know, by it. You know, looking at Reno's, uh, his, ever once they sent out that that tweet about his thousandth day. It was almost like you're like, oh god, (laughs) the writing's on the wall. So
1: when didn't he get the dreaded? uh, I have complete faith in the manager thing from Sven too. Like anytime that's said, the countdown clock is on for a firing. That's right, and that's not just in the Bundesliga. That's any professional sports league on the planet. (laughs)
0: Yeah. So the writing was on the wall. It's it's sad for so many reasons. So he coached uh, or managed the club for a thousand fifteen days. 100 matches even. Here's what's nuts. I was looking up his stats, and I didn't realize how good his record was. And I know, so his record, he had 31 wins, 29 draws, and 40 losses. I was kind of surprised by that. I thought it was going to be a lot. Now, that's overall. That's all matches, Pokal and, and Bundesliga. He had a... That's
1: in the Zweite Liga, too.
0: Zvaita So we, he had a second place finish in the zweite Liga, ninth place, 14th place, and we're currently 17th place. Uh, he was the third longest tenured coach in the Bundesliga behind... Uh, Freiburg and ironically, Union Berlin. Uh, he's the fourth coach to be sacked this year behind Leipzig, Bochum, and uh, Leverkusen. I was really surprised that his record was as good as it was, and it's kind of bizarre. I, I was going to do this later, but I might as well break this down now. Some fun facts he never lost more than four matches in a row, but he never won more than three in a row. The longest losing streak was four, you know, that happened twice the longest streak of getting consecutive points was seven matches draws and mm-hmm. and, and wins. Um, but it was just, it was even, it was just a win, win, draw, loss, loss. There was like, there was no huge slumps. And I think that's probably the biggest thing we're going to miss from, from Pellegrino is that stability, that consistency. And you could argue, listen, you know, it can, maybe the Zvita league was where a lot of, those records showed up but not really he had two three match losing streaks in this Vita league it was just yeah it was very consistent throughout his hundred matches here and that's when i was looking back at his numbers what i was really surprised about is how consistent that that run was mm-hmm.
1: it's really i those numbers are fascinating and i don't i i guess we we've, we've been saying that matarazzo has been stability and Good things in that the numbers bear it out clearly with what our, our gut feeling is, which is kind of nice to know that we're not totally morons. <laughs> but at, at the same time, when you're a a club like Stuttgart or a historical power who's been on hard times, consistent mediocrity is not going to cut it, right? <clears throat> so we need somebody who's winning at a you know, 60% clip let's say, so that we can get progress. We're not going to be able to bring in big players. And maybe this is part of the reason our last couple transfer windows haven't been great. Like It's going to be hard to convince the next Borna Sosa, the Nasasa Kalajic to come play in Stuttgart if we're a middling yo-yo club. Right. 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 If we're a club on the rise, we're going to get one of these younger guys to take a chance on us. So I, I guess those, if anything, those numbers make me feel a little bit better about what happened.
0: Oh <laughs> wow, all right. <laughs> well, so, let me throw these. Thanks. It <laughs> hey, wasn't where I was headed, but okay. <laughs> Let's see how how about this? So Pellegrino and Sven have been tied to the hip. But let me yes. pose this question. What if it was instead of Pellegrino and Sven? It's Pellegrino versus Sven. And what I mean by that is Stuttgart was number four in the Bundesliga in terms of transfer income. They brought in 40 million. Uh, dollars over the past year by selling selling some players that we we know and love they were number one in terms of balance what that means is of the 41 million that they earned they kept 28 of it so they only spent about 13 14 million on players so the only big signings they had were Vagnamon Pfeiffer, Pereira, uh, Jurassic and uh, now Dan Axel mm-hmm. they got for free so who bears more responsibility you think for what the current state of the club is in is it Pellegrino's coaching on the pitch or is it Sven scouting and player acquisitions that that Pellegrino is getting
1: I I kind of feel like you can't separate the two because you know moderato can only work with the tools that he has in his toolbox and Sven is his sole source provider of tools so um, you know you can't ask Matarazzo to go out there and have a a messy style player in the middle if you don't provide him a messy style player to do that at the same time you know Sven's brought some guys in who are good who we've sold on for big profits who clearly are talented players and it's fair to ask is Matarazzo getting the most out of them Mm -hmm. right did we get as much out of Omar Marmoush as we could have or should have in the time that we had him are we maximizing Tiago Tomash? Uh, I think Kaleidja, she can't even ask that question because he was either hurt or suffering with COVID mm-hmm. the entire time he was with us. And the same with Silas, he's been broken. But are, is Borna Sosa the best Borna Sosa he can be? I, that's a fair question. Like the dude is afraid to shoot. <laughs> he passes constantly. And that's they're beautiful passes. No complaints about his passes. But sometimes he's in a spot to shoot and he just doesn't do it so are we developing players and if we're not or if even the perception in global football is that we're not um again we're not going to get those young talented guys to take a chance and come to the mercedes-benz for a year or two
0: yeah this is where i'll go firmly back on the fence right now and blame everybody (laughs) (laughs) or not blame anybody in pellegrino's defense you've lost kalajic you've lost mangala you've lost gregor Cobell, nico gonzalez um, you, even Dargo Trulonoff, I'll throw in there for the heck of it. You've lost at least those four, the first four, some major key players. And, uh, our friend Rob, who uh, unfortunately wasn't able to join us tonight. He brought, oh. up, yeah, he's doing hockey, whatever that oh. is with ice. And <laughs> he, he brought up, he's like, what do you expect? Your best players you sell every year, you don't replace them. What right. else do you expect is going to happen? On the flip side, so that's on Sven, right? On on the flip side, uh, Philip Clement, Wahid Fahir, Mateo Klimowitz, uh, Roberto Massimo, Tibidi, Mola, uh, Omar Baez, Sanko, either never developed or are still developing. And you could say, okay, that's on Pellegrino, not getting that max talent. It's It's unfortunate and sad because we love these guys. And there's enough, when something like this happens, blame to go around. I don't know who's at fault. I think it's kind of like the announcer said: it's nobody's at fault. I hate to keep blaming luck or lack thereof, but if not for a Berder Bremen late goal against us, if not for Gregor or uh, for Florian Mueller having a brain fart for two goals against Wolfsburg, mm-hmm. those are three to six points that we picked up, and totally the 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 world's a completely different place, and unfortunately. You know, whether it's bad luck, bad play, whatever the case may be, Stuttgart's just got loads of it. <laughs> and Unfortunately, yeah. one of our favorite guys, Pellegrino, had to pay for it. Well, there's
1: there's a, an old sailing story, the story of the Jonah, and it's about a boat that was cursed and a guy named Jonah's on the boat and they can't go anywhere, so they throw Jonah off the boat and then all of a sudden the wind picks up and they start going again. It's entirely possible that Matarazzo, due to no fault of his own, will be if nothing else lyrically our jonah and he has to be sacrificed for the good of the ship and i mean if we start pouring goals in i think it'll go from being really mournful about him leaving which i think we both are at this point Mm -hmm. to kind of saying hey he guided us for a while and kept us steady until it was time for somebody else to come and push on to the next level yeah he was the
0: bridge to get us
1: that's Yeah. If anything, I think we can take away from Matarazzo's time is I feel like it overall was successful and he got us out of the second division. He kept us in the first division, albeit by the thinnest of margins. (laughs) Um, He kept the club alive in a time when we desperately needed it and helped us tread water. So I'm just I'm hopeful we can move on from here and Reno will be remembered fondly. And I I hope he gets another job somewhere and crushes it because I think he's a good coach.
0: Yeah, I I am hopeful. Part of the reason why I like Pellegrino Monterato and to make this all about myself is he reminded me a little (laughs) bit of when I coached, and granted, it was a completely different world. It was high school girls track and cross country, but I tended to be more cerebral and I wasn't a rah-rah guy. And I just, I didn't believe in it. And I didn't think, it made sense and it would come off as fake. And when things were going well, it was seen as a very positive, very uh, intelligent approach. And when things were going badly, it seemed like, okay, why aren't you more engaged and why aren't you more involved? And I really appreciated Pellegrino's, his approach, his intellect. And then as we got to know him, his obvious passion for this club, I mean, one of the things he said at the end was, you know, quote, it was an intense, but wonderful period with incredible moments and memories about is a special club and you don't understand it until you are part of it. Any of those memories that, that we've, or those moments that we've seen of him going nuts. And we really got to see him grow as a person on the sidelines being much less reserved as time went on from celebrating with Fritzl to getting yellow and red cards. Um, I think that's why this hurts so much. Somebody said it on, on Twitter about how, when, uh, numerous other coaches whether it was Zorniger whether it was Corcu uh, whether it was God, Marcus Binderil mm. when they were sacked it was like eh all right but this yeah. one hurt a little bit uh, it's it's super cheesy Pellegrino's is doing fine okay he's got he's got plenty of money he's he's going to get another yeah. job somewhere he's doing fine but just stunk because it's, he seemed like one of us which is a ridiculous statement obviously but he just seemed more like a regular person who really wore the chest ring like we would uh, Mm -hmm. as a fan. And I think that's, that's what hurts a a lot. So uh, let's try not to focus too much on the negative. You know, Flabby Viking asked a question. What was your favorite non-May 14th? So the famous match (laughs) with the clone uh, (laughs) moment with Pellegrino Monterazzo, any, anything stick out to you? Any, any particular matches, moments, anything?
1: The, the elevation from the second division stood out because that was just, like it felt like we were in such dire straits there for a little while and we had garbage coaching and the team was playing like craft and we brought in this unknown American from nowhere and all of a sudden things are clicking and they're happening and just the way that season finished um with us getting automatic promotion mm-hmm. and to see kind of Madarazzo vindicated and to see an American coach in the, in the German football pyramid, which we don't see much of um, was really gratifying and felt like we're at a club that takes chances on promising people. And this is a promising dude. And we took a chance and look at paid off mm-hmm suck it haters
0: <laughs> i got a, a few memories the match they had 27 last season the 3-2 comeback against augsburg where we were down mm. nothing it was uh thomas hitzelsberger's last match and they came back and uh Tomash tomas had that fantastic goal to give us the win that was the first time that i had ever seen pellegrino just go bonkers with uh <laughs> fritzel and with the guys um i remember the vitaliga when we had that uh it's funny because I, I kind of want to take you a, a little memory, uh, a little, you know, uh, trip down memory lane here is his first win was a 3-0 win over Heidenheim uh, back during the uh, Vitaliga Liga season. Uh, his longest winning streak was three games, like we mentioned. His longest losing streak was four. His first lineup, let me throw some of these names at you, back against Heidenheim. So this is back in, what, 2019, 2020, uh, was Gregor Cobell, Kemp, mm-hmm. Daniel Phillips, if you remember him? Otacarzor, uh, Stenzel, Endo, Mangala, Forster, Dadavi, Gonzalez, Gadui. and then Borna, uh, Massimo, and Gomez all subbed on. Uh, Nico, Mark, Oliver, Kemp was captain and had Ooh. a goal that match. I mean, there's some some blasts from the past. Yeah. The the thing that I reminded that secondly, and this kind of struck through Reno's entire tenure with us is nothing was easy because I remember no. Match day 30, I don't remember, I had to write this down. Um, Things were looking a little bleak with about four or five matches left to go. There was four teams that were jockeying for those three spots, and we were in trouble of falling to number four. Uh, We had a draw against Osnabrück, and then we lost to Karlsruhe, which is, you know, the big derby match. And we slipped to third place, and then we rolled off that 5-1 and 6-0 win against Sondhausen and Nurnberg to basically seal... Uh, seal the deal. So I just remember nothing was ever too easy with with Reno. That there was always a little bit of drama. There was always not, you know, in the in the clubhouse, but there was always a little bit of table drama, I should say. Yeah. His first Bundesliga lineup. So we get promoted. It was a two three loss to Freiburg. Gregor Kobel was still in goal. Kaminsky was in the back. Anton was starting. Kemp was still there. Endo Mangala Silas lost Massimo Castro, Dadavi, Klimowitz, uh met. Koljic, Ali G, all came on, and uh, Castro, your buddy, was captain at that point.
1: I saw uh, some highlights the other day while I was watching something uh, windows, a non Stuttgart Bundesliga thing, and it had Gonzalo Castro, and I was like, oh man! <laughs> if Travis was watching this, he would just be poking me,
0: going, ah, see, see. <laughs> I told you him and his fantastic beard can still play in this league. <laughs> the thing I remember most about that season, because that was the year we finished in ninth place, is we had that great run in the first half of the season. We had that crazy 5-1 to one win on the road at Dortmund. I think that was the first time Koulibaly scored a goal, and I don't think he scored a goal since. <laughs> then, uh, we Aww. had moved up to seventh place, and we st- hovered around 9-10 all season long. I just remember we've beat all the teams we were supposed to, but for Freiburg, who ironically we were never able to beat. But that was the year we fell in love with Sosa, Sasha, and Silas. That's what I remember most about that first year up in the league with with Reno. Good times. (laughs) And then the next season, his opening lineup, this was the 5-1 win against Furt. So we thought we were just going to roll the world that season. Mueller was in goal at that point. Kempf was still on the team. Anton, Dino, Ada, Endo was there. He was captain. Sosa, Massimo, Klimowitz, forscher Ali G, um, Tommy, Dadabi, and Clement were all subbed on. Kempf had two goals in that match. Man of the match. Um, Can you imagine Mark
1: Oliver Kemp scoring two goals today and earning man of the match in the anything outside of a Sunday beer league.
0: Yeah. I can imagine it when we traveled to Berlin, that's I'm sure he'll decide oh. to do it that day. Um, that was the, you know, we were almost relegated. That was the famous match. day 34. You know, it was crazy though. That last 10 games, I looked this up. His record wasn't terrible. We went three wins, five draws and, and, and uh, you know, two losses in that, that run. So it wasn't just maddeningly like you said earlier, kind of consistent, mediocre. Um, I don't know what. What are you gonna? What are you gonna do? Not sit here and shrug at you. <laughs> <laughs> That's the You're, best I got. <laughs> then, I'm gonna. We'll wrap this up with some Bundes, some Baden-Württemberg rivalries. He was 0 and five against Freiburg. <laughs> was never able to get a Bundesliga win against Freiburg. Did get a Pokal win, but never got a Bundesliga win against them was two one and one versus Hoffenheim, three and one versus Augsburg. So all in all, got five wins against uh kind of the big uh the big clubs in our area, but he did beat Heidenheim and Sandhausen.
1: And was it uh Reno was the coach when we beat Bayern five to one, right? When they were celebrating their championship a couple years ago.
0: Sad. I no, that was my boy uh uh typhoon Korku. Oh, that's right. That's right. Yeah, we scored like an early goal and uh Bayern were like the we got yeah. that's we got not
1: supposed program. to happen. <laughs>
0: right. So, yeah, and, that, and I think we gave Korku a 17 million year contract or something immediately after that game. Makes sense. <laughs> then fired him 7 games later.
1: So. that I the the lack of success against the Baden-Württemberg teams, I I had not looked that up. Um but Man, that's disappointing.
0: <laughs> that, I mean, it goes to show, and Danny Gom, who is a writer for SVW, one of the newspapers in southern Germany, wrote a really good piece about how um, he understood why the sacking took place, but what does this club expect out of its results? And that the days of Stuttgart being a top four, top six team are gone. It was, I don't know if it was negative as much as, it was pessimistic, but you could argue it was realistic. And basically what he was arguing is that the days of Stuttgart challenging for a, a, a championship are done are over. Um, and making a move like this more reeks of panic than it does of trying to model yourself after a Freiburg or a Union Berlin who stays just super consistent with their coach. But he did, you know, recognize results are results. And this is a results oriented business. And especially in a yeah. Stuttgart, um, the pressure cooker is a little bit hotter than it might be in Freiburg.
1: Yeah. And it's, it just sucks. You want to, you want to beat your rivals. You know, if you're, if you're to make it very American, if you're a big 10 football fan, you want to beat the other big 10 teams. And if you're not <clears throat> doing that, we're not competitive against our quote unquote peers. Uh, that hurts extra. Yeah. So if we can't beat the neighbors.
0: I, that I think sucks. That, right. I think that's the thing that, which is the most disappointing is that we, that first year up in the Bundesliga, we beat the teams we were supposed to. Yeah. As simple as that. And the next two years we were you know, unable to do that. So it's, it's kind of time to move on to, you know, the next part of of looking forward to who might be the new coach, but you know, any last words here for Pellegrino for, you know, uh, I would just like to say, you know, he has been the manager of this club since this podcast has existed. And mm-hmm. I'm sure there's a lot of people be like, well, now that he's gone, so should you. <laughs> <laughs> you should leave. Um, I, I just love the human nature of them. Um, it's crazy to say that. Like I said, it's ridiculous. It's not like he's gonna hang out with us or anything like that. But as a supporter of this club, he was the manager I identified with the most. And yeah. he made me feel a lot of pride in wearing the brewstring. You know, nobody's above the club, but it was awesome to have him as a representative of it. And I hope you're right that when the history of this is written, that he is the bridge that helped push this club to stable, consistent and uh, more successful times because of his, um, his actions, his mannerisms, and um, just seems like a good dude. And we wish him yeah. well, and, you know, hope the future's bright for him. So that, those are my last words, Matt, anything from you?
1: I would still love to sit down and have a few beverages with Matarazzo and just hear his story and hear about not just his story about the firing, but his story about going to Germany as a young man and taking that, that plunge and coming up through the low divisions and his journey to coaching and what it was like to be on the inside at Shukart. And he strikes me as a dude who would sit down and do that with us, mm-hmm. you know, um, and would enjoy it and not think that we're totally crazy, just mostly crazy. (laughs) So I'm, I am really hopeful that he has great success elsewhere and that later on in his career, it's looked back as, you know, he piloted a really, really rough uh, sea with Stuttgart and parted on good terms and launched a career that lasted many, many years. And that also that Shookart launched and was better off after he left. Right.
0: You know, I was kind of hoping that you would just go on a complete 180 degrees and just tear him apart.
1: <laughs> well, actually, Travis, <laughs> I heard that he kicks puppies on the weekend, and I will not stand for that. <laughs> and he, he's a guy like, it's hard to not like Matarazzo, right? Aside from the fact that the ball wasn't going in the net, everything else about this team – was on the up and up the entire time he was with us.
0: Yeah, the thing that I I wrote this on on I think the um what was it the Reddit page which if you haven't visited that got Reddit page is a really great you know access there for English um, speaking fans of the club. He probably knew he was done, and when that final whistle blew, he went to the curve. Uh, yeah, he said goodbye. He he took you know all the the criticism and all that stuff and. I haven't seen a lot of other coaches do that. I know I certainly wouldn't have done it. So <laughs> I would have hightailed it out of there as fast as I coulda, way back to, way back to New Jersey there. But Materazzo
1: is a class act, and I think we're better off for having had him be part of Stuttgart.
0: Well, speaking of you know, part of Stuttgart, this leads us into the questions. There's really only uh, two questions uh, this week. Flabby Viking asks, "What trait would you like most in the new coach?" Would you want him to be more of a ruthless pragmatist? And fifty plus donor asks, who do you think would be a good replacement? That's possible. <laughs> fifty plus donor thinking we know anybody who's out there at all. I wrote down in our notes that there's two names that are being bandied about: Addie Hooter, and uh, <laughs> I just did. I pronounce his name like he works at Hooters. By the way.
1: <laughs> That's fine. It doesn't hurt my feelings.
0: Hooters, if you're listening, we still need a sponsor. And Sebastian Honus, uh, Addy coached at Frankfurt where he had much success, then went over to uh, Gladbach where he had a little bit less success. He hails from the Leipzig world. Uh, Sebastian Honus had two seasons at Hoffenheim. He's the son of a famous Bayern player. Uli Honas. Uh, he also hails from the Leipzig and the Bayern ranks. He finished 11th and 9th at Hoffenheim. He did lead the second Bayern team to a third league title, so he's got that going for him. Those are the two big names that I've heard. Who the heck knows? Um, is there? Let's take uh, Flabby's question and, and 50-plus owner's question. What type of style would you like to see? How about that?
1: I like the idea of the ruthless pragmatist. Um, <clears throat> one of the things that always drives me nuts with coaches is when they come in and like, this guy plays this system. And like That's great. We don't have the players that fit that system. And they play that. I, I feel like we saw that with uh, Zorniger a little bit he wanted to play full blast rock and roll football and we did not have the guys with the legs to play full blast rock and roll football and it flamed out in a hurry mm-hmm. um, so somebody who can be flexible and leverage the talent we have and not waste the entire season stumbling along trying to fit square pegs and round holes would be nice I wouldn't mind seeing somebody who's got more of an offensive mindset, because I feel like we've been a counter-attack focused team for about three years now. And we've seen what happens when we play teams that are at or below our talent level and they're not coming at us. There's nothing to counter.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So being built to counter does not seem like a recipe for success in the Bundesliga.
0: I want, I don't... <sighs> really care if it's too offensive or not i one of the things that struck me about the announcers this weekend they were talking about how union berlin just focuses on the basics how freiburg just focuses on the basics they just they they nail down the fundamentals and i think maybe one of the downsides of stuttgart is that we have so many high-flying young talents who have potential to go to the premier league or go to byron that they don't focus on that stuff as much and i just i look at what union berlin does i look at what freiburg do even Augsburg to a certain extent, uh, Bremen, they play, Bremen plays super attacking football. Uh, Ugan Berlin does not play super attacking football, but they just seem to get the basics down right. And that's what I want. I don't think we've gone through the Zorniger crazy football. We've gone through the Korkut super defensive football. We've gone through the creative uh, Reno football. I'm okay with a ruthless pragmatist, a ruthless pragmatist who plays super defensive football but I don't want to go away from the, you uh, the youth movement. I just, I want to stay with that. I don't want to start bringing in guys during the winter transfer window who are 28, 29, 30. I just, I don't, I think you can play a very defensive, very compact, very simple system with young guys. I don't think you need to go old there. So I don't care what the system is, but I want the philosophy of young french players (laughs) to continue because i think if you simplify things for those guys you can have success
1: yeah it honestly it, it wouldn't hurt my feelings at all to have one or two guys in their early 30s who have been there and done it to set an example for these younger guys even if they're not playing a whole lot just to be sort of a steadying force and do the the thing that I didn't realize Gonzalo Castro was doing when he was with us of saying, guys, I've been here. That's not a big deal. Like, we got this. Chill out. I think we could use that, and I think that would help with the mental mistakes. But, yeah, if we could, whatever we decide, offensive, defensive, whatever, more consistency and simplification I think makes a lot of sense. And I'm with you. I like the human wild movement. It's a lot of fun to see these guys, it's kind of like watching college sports, right? You get some guys in for, you know, a year, two, three years, and then they go on and they're stars somewhere else. You can be like, ah, I knew that guy when he played for us. (laughs) I liked him before it was cool.
0: (laughs) Yeah. So that's, that's my only criteria. And I think if Sven sticks around, that's probably going to stick around as well. I think
1: a thing that would be great for him to focus on is I feel like we need more endurance on the team. We need to run more. We need to be moving more. So, somebody who's got uh, maybe distance running experience, uh, maybe a, a retired cross country coach um, <laughs> oh.
0: who could come in. Ah. You know what, guys? <laughs> it's time to work on our slow twitch <laughs> muscles. <laughs> who's the guy who used to coach? Was it uh, Felix McGath, who uh, used to coach for stugard who was famous for having people run up and down hills with medicine balls and things like that? That sounds like a thing MacGoth would do, yeah. I think it's time to bring that back. All right, guys. My experience is high school girls running. I'm your new coach. Travis, you're hired. (laughs) Oh, you know, that's a great prediction. Speaking of, Matt, let's move on to predictions. know how we're going to predict any of this stuff because we don't I know who's pain we don't know who's playing we don't know who's coaching um we've got the pokal match on i believe it's thursday we are maybe it's wednesday i don't even know at this point <laughs> we're playing the 18th place team in the bundesliga uh second league armenia bielefeld they are struggling mightily it's at home Stuttgart is yeah. favored in this one you want to guess by how much it's
1: at home. Uh, it is Wednesday. So oh, well. we got that going for us, which is nice. Um, I'm going to guess we're favored by two. We
0: are favored by a single goal. So that's our biggest. Uh, that's biggest probably goal. more realistic. Yeah.
1: So, which is sad.
0: <laughs> I mean, it, yeah, you got to get a win here. I mean, you don't got to, I guess. It doesn't really, in the grand scheme of things, matter too much, but it would sure be nice to get a little bit of confidence going in. It'd be
1: great if we, so Saturday the 15th, we've got Bochum at home. It'd be nice to get a win off of that. And then a win in the Pokal just to keep that pointless hope alive. Before we go into the likely buzzsaw that is Dortmund on the 22nd to get our teeth kicked in. So having, having a little hope would be nice, even though the English say it is the hope that kills you. (laughs) Uh, I'd take a little hope right now.
0: Yeah. A little hope would be good. Yeah. I, I don't know. The Pokal matches are always fun. It's a great, you know, feel good match for us. You know, hopefully they, I'm, I'm curious as to how many supporters will be there because the start time for the match against Union was a weird start time in Germany. It started at one 30 our time in the East coast. So it was about seven 30 for them. And I heard a lot of complaining about how late that match was on a Sunday. So I'm curious as to how many people are going to show up for a, I think it's a 2:45 match for us. So that's an almost nine o'clock match for them. I wonder how many people will be in the arena.
1: That's a great question. It's it's really interesting because you get a a seven or eight o'clock game here in the states, and people go, "Oh, that's prime time." We're just so wired to think about the TV implications and stuff. Um, people get excited about that, and it's cool to have a night game versus sometimes like oh, I don't know, the games at noon that eats your entire day. That's mm-hmm. going to be lame. Uh, I I don't know. I'm hopeful. If they announce somebody uh, with a pulse as at least an interim <laughs> coach um, that has some promise, that people get a little bit jazzed about it and want to come out and show the players that we're still behind them.
0: Yeah, and... I- I'm guessing it's going to be half empty. Is what <laughs> hey, they-, they had 43,000 <laughs> well, so, up Sunday.
1: So that's cheating because half of the stadium is currently torn down.
0: There's... So. <laughs> That's such a horrible metaphor for the entire year. By the way, <laughs> every time they show that poor part of the stadium and they show any player, coach, manager, it's just it's a meme just waiting to write itself as they're repairing uh, or doing some new construction in the uh, the arena there.
1: If Ral nine thousand on Twitter was a Freiburg fan, um, the memes because his meme game is off the just off the charts good. Mm-hmm. The memes that would be anti Schukar would be they might make us just quit Twitter and podcasting altogether.
0: (laughs) It would hurt my feelings.
1: Dude, don't get any ideas.
0: Yeah, it would hurt our feelings quite a bit. So I'm looking for the win there. I mean, I think we got to get some positive momentum. And then the big one coming up this weekend. All right, we got some big matches for us. Friday, Schalke plays uh, Hoffenheim. So that's big for us. Then Saturday, Mm -hmm. our match goes. But Wolfsburg has Gladbach. I Leipzig is hosting Hertha, Sunday you've got Augsburg going to Cologne, Cologne's all beat up, so who knows what's going to happen there. I actually might watch some of these big Sunday matches, like I said, Union is hosting Dortmund and uh, Bayern is hosting Freiburg, so that, that could be some fun, but the big match that obviously everybody's going to be watching is 17th versus 18th place. Uh, we are hosting Bochum for our second home match in a row. We have played Bochum 76 times. We have 39 wins, to 17 losses, two draws last season. We had a late win, but then Dino gave up a late foul and they converted a penalty. So it was a 0-0, and Then a one, one finish. We are, Haven't lost to these guys in 12 matches, Matt. Six wins, six draws, zero losses. Bochum is coming off their first win of the season, though, over a Frankfurt team, meaning Stuttgart is the only winless club in the league. Making matters all the better. Our old pal, Philip Forster, was the man of the match with a goal and an assist in that one. so.
1: So, The critical question, though, was his creepy 70s top stash back
0: i can't answer that but i do know he has his hair frosted in a particular way that's quite sharp so
1: so so maybe he's gone from the 70s cop stash look that he had with us he skipped the 80s altogether and has gone straight to the 90s frosted tips Mm -hmm. and as long as he picks a decade and sticks in that (laughs) he's magic
0: did you ever uh color frost or dye your hair by Mm
1: the way i i did not um my parents would have ended me um, (laughs) until I went to college and I had one of my friends in the freshman dorm
0: do it and it did not end well yeah I I did want somebody challenged me to do it so at the end of the school year one year I decided to do it so over the course of the summer I dyed my hair blonde but it turned orange so I looked like some version of a clown as uh and it didn't grow back in time for the next school year, So I looked like a clown even more. So um, fun. Yeah, it was good. I mean, who knew that my ravishing good looks could be <laughs> put away just by just by hair color? We tried
1: green and we didn't bleach my hair out first, and I have very oh. dark hair. So it was green in certain lights, but mostly didn't look like anything had been done. Mm. unless you looked at the inside of my hockey helmet, which was a dark green. Within about three weeks.
0: Oh, I'm sure the ladies like that look.
1: Oh, I mean, girls love sweaty, smelly hockey gear. So
0: <laughs> it worked like a charm. <laughs> yes, so it worked like a charm, man. All right, this is the match of the season. We lose this one. Um, things are looking even bleaker than they're looking, which is pretty rough. <laughs> um, we win this one though, and some other results go our way. All of a sudden, you know, we're back in we're back in the running. Ten matches into the season. First off, what do you think uh, the odds makers have this one at? And then second off, what is your prediction for the match?
1: The I guess the odds makers are only giving us half a goal. You are correct. So I, I predict Stuttgart by a billion. <laughs>
0: <laughs> no cares uh, more. no Jorasi.
1: Yeah, and uh, nobody cares. <laughs> <laughs> I. So I, I really, I think it's going to go one of two ways, either <clears throat> one, the players are going to try and go out there and say, Hey, we got to get one for, for Reno and mm. player guts out and make something happen. And also show the fans that like we're not all a bunch of bums mm. after we hung our coach out to dry and got them fired. And if that's the case, I could see us putting four or five up on Bochum. Um The other is that we really are as bad as the firing indicates maybe we are and a draw and we squeak by with one i don't uh, like you said it, it's hard we don't know what what formation we're going to be in we don't know what style we're going to be playing who's going to be on the pitch it's i i don't know i'll pick stroke to win but just because i feel like we should curb sound welcome mm,
0: yeah in our valve b picks this year matt you and i are tied five wins and four losses apiece I overtook you this week in our predictions. I got seven correct to your five. So I have 39 total wins to your 38. I'm uh, Austin is at 36. Jeff's at 32 in the rear there. Um, I agree with you, the Bochum met. I mean, I just, history's on our side, right? We mm-hmm. win six draws. Bochum just got a win. So I'm guessing they're either going to come in a little overconfident or maybe. Um, they could come and lose, but I think they'll come in a little overconfident there. Sugar is the better team on, on paper. They have got the home uh, support on their side. So I'm going to say sugar going to win this one three to nothing. We're going to break the history making uh, anti-clean sheet record starting with this match. And then we're going to do kind of one of those win one uh, for Reno, because I can't actually imagine what the arena will be like. If this ends any other way, but that <laughs> I can't. Yeah. Ha- it's going to get ugly pretty fast. But I hope it doesn't come to that. Like you said, we should, this should be a week of confidence. This should be a, a good performance against Bielefeld, a uh, good performance against Bochum. And we can use that as a launch pad into the next week against uh, Dortmund. And we've got some matches coming up. Augsburg's coming up. Hertha Berlin's coming up. So we got some matches coming up where we can stack up some points and, you know, why not? I yeah. just maybe I've just recorded this from previous episodes, but <laughs> yo, why why not start it now? We should. Why not us? Why if not us? Who? Why not us? And speaking of not us, you know what? I'm going to talk to Midwest Schweba here about his thoughts about all of this stuff so we can get a German perspective of what's going on with this. Because really, not that we need it, Matt, because you and I, as Americans, we-
1: we know all the things. We
0: know all the
1: things. It's American exceptionalism, like in audio format, right here.
0: <laughs> we are so. Oh, uh, I think we covered all the bases. <laughs> Dying our hair, slow twitch yep. muscles, uh, uh-huh. our our love of Pellegrino, the dumpster fire that is the Mercedes Benz Arena. Um, I don't think there's anything left to cover this episode.
1: I, I mean, unless we're going to solve mid-east peace, what else are we going to do?
0: Well, we have to save something for next next week. There you go. (laughs) All right, Matt, thanks so much for joining me this week. And uh, you know what? I'm not going to say hopefully. We're definitely going to talk about a big win next time.
1: I am looking forward to it. It is a joy as always, even in garbage times. But we won't have garbage times. We're going to win by a billion.
0: (laughs) We are sounding so Let's go. The confidence is so strong right (laughs) now. we are
1: not winning any acting awards anytime soon (laughs) all
0: right guys we'll talk to you all next week when we're on the ledge somewhere else (laughs) welcome to part four of episode 61 um thanks to matt for joining us for the first three parts uh we thought with some of the biggest news that has happened since we started this podcast, that it would be great to get some insight into what is actually going on in Stuttgart with the club. And Matt and I are just two American fools who really don't know anything at all. So we wanted to get an insider perspective of what is going on. We're going to talk to an actual American German <laughs> right now, which I don't know if that makes sense. But uh, his name is Hannes. You can reach him at Midwest Schwab. He's a member of our unofficial, hopefully to be soon official, OFC uh, supporters group. Hannes, how are you doing? Thanks so much for joining us. Yeah, thank you for having
2: me. I'm doing fine. Like, besides FOFP, obviously. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, that seems to be a little bit of a downer uh, lately, but it looks beautiful where you're at. That looks like the sun is shining, you know? Maybe the, that's a good sign for the future.
2: Oh yeah, that would be great. No, weather is fine lately here it's warm
0: <laughs> well let's let's talk about that for a second before we get into your thoughts on on what's been going down uh, what is your background a little bit what makes you um as i, I told you before the show i was like i'm going to call you an insider and you said wait a minute i'm not an insider don't, don't put that <laughs> pressure on me uh so what is your story you're a Stuttgart fan in the midwest as your twitter handle says uh what's your background
2: yeah, so I was born and raised in Germany. Actually, I was born in Stuttgart and raised just a couple miles outside of it, but I moved back in, like, I think 2012 or so. So I spent a good amount of, t- of my lifetime in Stuttgart, and I was just born into this VfB fan family. Like, everyone is a VfB fan um, there. And, yeah, I didn't really have a choice, but I don't <laughs> think I would have
0: picked any other team. <laughs> It, it's so awesome talking to different people about their different origin stories about whether you were born into it or we trace our lineage back, as many Americans do. I uh, like that, but like you said, sometimes it's it's just in your heart, and and that's where it is, and for better or for worse. And sometimes,
2: <laughs> yeah, for sure.
0: Sometimes lately it's been a little bit a little bit worse. Well, let me ask you. Put uh, one of the reasons uh, we wanted to have you on, and uh, you put a very impassioned goodbye, I, I guess I would say, on Twitter on your your Twitter handle to uh, Pellegrino and, and maybe even to Sven, uh, Sven too. So I kind of want to get your thoughts on the relationship between those two because you've been a supporter, you know, longer than many of us have. The, your thoughts on the relationship of those two, you know, prior to this crisis that took place and then during the crisis and now, you know, moving forward. So you are obviously a big supporter. Um, why?
2: Yeah, um, I feel like, Like I said, also in my Twitter posts, um, it was more self-therapeutic. So (laughs) like it was more meant for me just to like because it was a different it was just a different vibe coming out from both of them, from them, from that team than it ever has been before. I, I, I also wrote like Reno, he raised the standards now for all following coaches just because he was just a very special and different coach and especially in the team with Mislintat their support you could see they really valued their input their strength they bring to the table and I, I just think like it was something really special and obviously a very sad day that it ended I think at the end it was necessary but I don't want to go get ahead of it but yeah I just feel like they worked so well together, but also um, Rino, especially. Like I've never heard listened to a press conference answering questions from journalists, and I mean they answer at the end the fans' questions. So I never, no, I never remember any coach that took those questions so seriously and tried to answer them really like how he thinks, without obviously giving up too much details. But I felt like as a fan, even though I had never spoke with him or met him or anything, but I felt I've been taken much more serious than with any other coach before. And I think you could just see like how smart he was, like how like he thinks of the question, then he answers it. And instead of like just bringing those same two sentences, those standard sentences out.
0: It's funny you mentioned that because that's one of the things Matt and I talked about is that his, his not just his intellect, was impressive, but even when he would do coach speak and he would give those kind of stock answers, they did seem a little bit more thought out than what your typical press conference response would be. But let me bring you back. Matt and I both agree with you. Marino seemed like a special guy, a special coach. Why do you think he was so special considering you mentioned the word table? And right now, Stuttgart's pretty low on the table. (laughs) Why do you think so many people have such a, uh, respect for, for Pellegrino and Sven, even though the results on the table are, well, let's face it, not that great.
2: Yeah, I, I think like it is. It was really on the one side him as a, as being just an amazing person, as it seems like, um, and on the other side, obviously the really really dark past we went through. Like, <laughs> like, I think ever since 2007 when we won the league, it was kind of like a downhill. Uh, yeah downhill drive slope <laughs> i don't know <laughs> move and, down. that's one direction <laughs> and it and like there was just this all of the sudden there was this like yeah this is the way how we get better again this is the way how we get to a point where we used to be and you you're like i think like when you have a team that has like exciting young players you have exciting young coach you have an exciting also exciting sporting director because also Sven Mislintat answers questions completely different than his predecessors so I think it is just like the combination of all of those things because you just saw this clear plan again that you didn't think there was a plan before really and if that plan existed it was like how do I win the next game but not how do I build up something and how do I get this club um, like to a sustainable success again. And yeah. I think, um, all these things put together, that's, that's what made him so popular.
0: I think a hundred percent. I think context is so important that where the club was at prior to Pellegrino and Sven and where it was during those thousand days, it wasn't always easy, but there was a vision. And I think as a supporter, not every club is going to win a trophy every year. And there's some clubs that you attach yourself to because you're born into it like you were, or you find yourself falling in love with it like, man, I did. And sometimes, like Sven said, 13th place can be your first place. I mean, it, yeah. it really depends on the club. And I think that's where I was so disappointed. And it sounds like you and I are on the same page that it seemed like we had a vision of the way that the club with the brewstring was going to play. And it was so exciting to, to be known as having youth, having exciting attacking play, an intellectual, you know, manager, a sporting director, who was going nuts on the sidelines all the time. It was just, that's the thing that I think is so sad that it's going, going away, but you alluded to it. So let's touch on this. So we love the vision that Pellegrino and Sven had. Let's talk about, you know, just the, the last few matches, the, the reason for the decision. It's, you said that you understand why would you have made the decision to relieve Pellegrino of his duties now. Do you agree with that? Or do you think they should have waited?
2: Like it, it was a process for me because like two weeks ago, I don't think I would have ever advocated for that or would have said like, now it's the right time. But I think it is the exact right time. Like we have this super important game ahead of us. And obviously you could argue that he should get this game because that might be a turning point. But you could also argue at the same time that like, Now you need this fresh impulse, just this differentness that that like new coaches usually bring, just like how they handle the team differently. Like you see that often when coach, when there's a new coach that like the first few games, you have like a little positive effect on the team just because of motivation. The team, like the players, like you often mentioned Pereira, for example, like he might see his chance now to make it in. And like to get substantial playing time, so he'll train more. He'll train harder. He runs a little bit harder. He fights more, and that will make also the the normal starting eleven players have to work harder and to keep their to keep their place in the team. So I think it is the right time, just because we need that. Like we need to win this game. There is no way around it. A tie is not enough. You can you can argue about like. Winning against the team that's on 14th or 13th. I don't have the table right now on the top of my head. But you can argue that a tie, especially not at home, is okay. But against Bochum, no matter where you play, you need to win that game. And that's why I think it was the right timing. But it was really like, a, it was a process. And I just I just, like for me, it, the turning point was really like actually this game. Because they played really well. But they could they could still not win, so I think it was not like it was clearly not like when Sonica got um sacked after this mm-hmm. debacle against Augsburg, like mm-hmm. I was in the stadium, I did the wave when they were four one behind because it was just so awful to watch, and I wanted that guy gone, yeah, but it was different with with Reno, and I think um the team tried to fight for them, but it was just not working out anymore and yeah. I think, like, also in the NFL, I think the average um, time a coach spends with a year, with a team is like three years or something like this, and I don't think in soccer it's much differently. So I think you know it's maybe it was just like, yeah, it just shouldn't be anymore yeah, it, as sad as it is.
0: Yeah. See, when that sad theme, and you, Rob Zorniger, and it's interesting how during my supporter my time as a supporter, there's been numerous Stuttgart managers who have come and gone. None of them have gotten the treatment that Pellegrino has gotten from the Stuttgart website, the Stuttgart Twitter, um, the words that are coming out of you know the upper management. It almost seems like it was a consensual, it's time for us to move to move on type of thing. And it's just so bizarre because if not for a little bit of luck here or there, like Matt and I talked about, we're not even having you know this conversation, but the luck wasn't there. Here, I want to ask you this though. It's a lot of people weren't surprised that the decision happened because it just seemed like the writing was on the wall. I, I think you said it perfectly is that I think Pellegrino is a great coach. I think he's a good coach. I think he can do really good things, but his voice may have been lost a little bit and to some of the, some of the guys just because he's been there so long. What I find interesting is and we just looked at this right before we got on, is that it looks like they're going to keep his assistant coach, Michael Vimmer, as the interim coach, possibly through the Boca match. And I find that kind of surprising. It sounds like they made the decision to relieve Pellegrino of his duties without really having an idea who would replace him, which is kind of scary in one regard. But it goes to it's something you said perfectly, is that maybe they're just making the change just to make the change just simply because they need that. So are you more scared that they don't have somebody lined up or do you think, listen, it had to happen. Might as well happen now.
2: Um, Yeah. I think that's a really tough questions, tough question because you can really look at it from like both sides. Like you can say, like, if you, if you have this really great coach and you fire him, then you better have a replacement on the other side. You can say like, they, that shows that there it was not an easy decision for the for the club leadership. Maybe some wanted to keep him, some didn't. And um, at the end, I I'm not sure if Wimmer really is gonna stay. I think it's just like to maybe Mr. Chat said that just to keep like a little bit the of pressure off in case they don't find a replacement in time. I saw on Twitter like if you. If you wanna, if you don't have a new coach, then why don't you keep Matarazzo for this game? Like, why is his assistant gonna be different? And I think there's some truth to it. But again, then we can look at it from the other side that um, Sven Mislintat does not only look at the short short-term success. So rather in making this decision too fast, too quickly, he wants to take his time and find the perfect coach, the perfect predecessor that will continue what reno started Mm -hmm. rather than someone who might not really fit in and we need a new coach in a couple months again so i think it is a good sign that they want to keep going there this way that shows that misintight is still like powerful enough in this club (laughs) Um, but um, i understand also the other side when they say like um, then you better keep him but I think like I'm I'm not quite sure if Rimmer is gonna stay. It might be like that the new coach comes really in late on Friday or so. And then the question is, does he is he the coach really for the game just with like meeting them in the hallway or how are they gonna manage this all? But I think at the end, like if you if you're if it's also not fair to Reno, if you keep him and you know you're gonna sack him next yeah. week anyway.
0: I, I think it's an interesting point you brought up. That if they're keeping Vimmer, who was Reno's assistant, and the according to the news reports that are breaking now, it's the uh, Tomas Tuchel's assistant. I'm going to mess this pronunciation up, but that's what we do. Zolt Lu? Luf. Oh, it's got the umlaut. That always messes with us. <laughs> <laughs> so, but it, Sven said something very interesting in the the quote. He says, "quote It has to be a coach who can develop the players and their personality." makes a team more capable of winning in addition we have an identity in play with the ball that should continue end quote and i think that goes exactly to what you said is that they're making the change just to make the change vimmer is staying on maybe for the short term but the guy who seems to be the leader in the clubhouse is somebody who they want to follow the same philosophy that sven has so maybe sven has a lot of power in that room because from what i read it was veril Sven and uh, Kadira, who are meeting over this uh, decision. And maybe this is good for us supporters who really like this vision, if Sven has, like you said, as much power to say, listen, we're going to make a change, but we're going to stay on the same path. We're going to change who's driving the car down that path, but we're going to stay on the path
2: okay so yeah i understood it correctly i think wimmer is gonna stay the assistant no matter what that's the club's assistant he will stay no matter who's the Mm coaches i think that was the plan in in getting him so that's why it makes sense that the other assistant got fired with reno and wimmer is gonna stay i mean if you get a really big name and he says i don't want him he's gone for sure like he's not bigger than the next coach but i'm If I understood it correctly, that's kind of the philosophy of the club to have this one constant, no matter what, Mm -hmm. maybe to preserve the way too. And I think the other way is like this kind of power struggle between Verle and Mislintat, if there is any still, because like, I think if Verle would find a coach only by himself, we would get an established name. Someone who had success already, maybe Hütter, who was in Gladbach and Frankfurt and obviously in Austria. <laughs> and like the name Löw seems to be more like a Miss Lintard idea. He was already. There were already rumors um that he would be the coach instead of Materazzo back then. So I think this shows more that gives that gives me like I like Miss Lintard, so that gives me a little bit more hope even that I think Miss Lintard might really extend his contract despite all this all all these um, struggles a couple weeks ago
0: how crazy would that be how crazy would that be that so when the summer was going down and the season started all of us supporters were up in arms about extend spend extend spend and he what if he was the one who actually pulled the plug on reno and he walks out of this with the vision intact a new contract extension and um we all get what we want which is this club that plays with youth this club that plays with aggressiveness this club that is very near and dear to to our hearts and it all ends up working out something matt said uh this episode i think was a really good comment is that maybe pellegrino was the bridge who helped us get from those dark times that you spoke of earlier to more positive bright times that are coming up after him maybe it isn't all all doom and gloom you know I need to have you on the, the podcast more often. You're a a, a rake, <laughs> bright, you know, a positive sunshine here. Uh,
2: thank you. <laughs> I'm I'm always available. <laughs> <laughs> well,
0: let me, all right. So let's wrap up with this. I think you've already given us a lot of positive things to think about. I was going to ask you at the end, you know, we try to stay as positive as we can on this podcast and it's not always easy to do especially when you're the only winless club in the entire flipping league right now but I think you just gave us a giant dose of positivity and some hope before we wrap this up anything else like it, it, from your perspective or to any Americans that are listening or anybody back home for you actually back in Stuttgart any other pearls of hope that you can throw our way to make us go into this week which as you said is just a huge week for the club feeling uh, hopeful and positive.
2: I didn't even thought I was that positive so it's great to hear <laughs> that <laughs> um honestly I don't like I I still think the team is good like I, I heard it so often in Stuttgart media the last couple of days that Miss should get some criticism too because he didn't give Reno a good enough team and I'm not so sure about that I I don't see why this team can't be good. Like, I think we have exciting young players. Yeah, they all are kind of right now in a little, yeah, like they're not having their good form right now. But I don't see that this team is really that bad just because like, Reno might have been just um, too long here and it has nothing to do with, really with the quality of the team. So this will this will be answered, this question will be answered really shortly. So... We don't have to wait that long but yeah i think um there's not so much more positivity (laughs) here (laughs) i'm just waiting now i'm just waiting now and hoping that like not only we need wins but we need also the sustained successes that this plan gets uh, continued
0: yeah that's uh absolutely like you said I, i really like what you said about you know sven and the new potential coach and bimmer and kind of staying on this vision this path here that's something we really hadn't thought about too much and uh, you know whether you're in Stuttgart, whether you're in uh, the Midwest like we are, you know we'll be waking up bright and early on Saturday, hoping the boys can uh, deliver what we've all been waiting for. This, for sure, yeah, you know what they say, the ninth or tenth time is a charm. That's an American phrase, <sighs> I think. <So. laughs> uh, Hans, it was great to have you on the on the episode. Do you have any last thoughts or any final thoughts before we uh, we call this one a, we call this one a wrap?
2: Um no, I just think like it's great to talk with people that love this not so shiny club in Germany that live on the like at least really far away and it's uh it 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 gives me a little bit more like a sense of home. So it's awesome to follow you guys and I'm really grateful for the podcast and the OSC.
0: Well it's awesome that we finally got some credibility by actually having somebody from Stuttgart on the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> This this helps us quite a bit, too. Guys, it was awesome having you on the uh, episode this week. Let's root for the boys, and let's uh, hopefully have you on again talking about a win.
2: Yeah, let's do that. <laughs> Sounds great. <laughs> Talk to you later.